welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. A few years ago, when Jen and I first moved into our place, we bought these um, Costco cruiser bikes, pretty cheap bikes. I hadn't been on a bike actually in many years, but you know what they say, it's like riding a bike, which actually turned out to be um, for a little while. Because a little after that, I bought a more expensive bike and started doing uh, different types of biking. One was road cycling, which unlike riding my Costco cruiser to the bike or to the park involved like you know, riding on the road with cars and going down hills. Sometimes I'd get up to like 70 kilometers an hour and you're wearing these biking shorts that if you were to wear them in the mall, like you wouldn't be caught dead wearing them in the mall, but somehow it's cool to buy them if you're riding a bike. And then you're hurtling down these hills and if you hit a crack in the road or some car hits you, I mean, you're gonna die. Those bike shorts are not gonna do anything for you except maybe they look good when they come to find you. But that's what road riding was and exhausting, whatever, much different than a cycle at the park with my kids. And then mountain biking, which is if you don't want to road ride for hours and hours, you go and you bike up and down hills and I would nearly die from exhaustion or because I was going to fall off a bridge and I couldn't get my feet out of my pedals. And then after two hours of feeling like you're going to die, you look at your speedometer or thingy and it says you've only traveled five kilometers. So that that was mountain bike. Now, listen, when I began to... uh, road ride and mountain bike, I was suddenly introduced to two things I had never experienced before on my Costco cruiser at the park with my kids. One of them is the feeling of being stuck. Stuck, like I can't move forward. And I feel like that actually right where I am with my mountain biking because I feel like I've hit, I can't get any better. I don't seem to get any better. The trails that I can do easily, I do. The ones that are more complex or certain parts of it, I just can't seem to get it right. And I've heard people who come with me, lovely people who coach me, I can't seem to get it right. I feel like I'm stuck. I can't grow any more. I can't get any further in my mountain bike. I'm sort of stalled out. Now, with my road cycling, I feel something totally different, and that is hindered, where I feel like something is opposing me. Now, cyclists used to talk about the wind as this thing, and I was like, why are you talking about the wind like it's a person? But I'm telling you, one day I was on this ride, and I had like 40 kilometers to go to get home and hit this wind, which I swear I was biking into on the way up. How could it be blowing in the same direction on the way back? I don't know, but I felt like this thing was against me, like it was opposing me. It was saying, you're never going to get home. Like it was, it literally felt like it was it was evil. It was like a villain and it was against me. Now, you don't need to feel sorry for me because I choose to do those things and I actually quite enjoy them. And if I remain stuck and hindered in those things, no big deal. However, you've probably had that experience of feeling stuck or hindered in life. Maybe in a particular area of life, maybe in a relationship, maybe in a thought pattern, maybe in a behavior or something, but probably every one of us listening can relate to those feelings of feeling stuck, like I can't move forward in this, or I keep getting stuck at the same place in this relationship. I can't seem to grow in this particular area. Or the experience of feeling hindered where like, I feel like things are against me. Like, I don't know, with people or forces or whatever. Like, I feel like every step that I want to take is a, is a battle not to lose ground. I feel like my, my desire, the person I want to be, the person I feel like I could be, you know, in my best moments or whatever, I'm opposed. Like, I'm, I'm feeling that. Now, I don't know where you happen to be as you're coming in today or where you happen to be in life or your faith journey, but I think we can all relate to those experiences of feeling stuck and feeling hindered. But let me just say this. I think the only thing worse than that 
is coming to this place where we just say, well, I guess that's the way life is. I guess I'm always going to feel that way. I guess just that's just the way it is for me or that's just what life is. And I want to say to you, we cannot do that. Wherever you happen to be that feeling this experience of stuckness or being hindered in your marriage or in some other relationship, in a friendship or in your financial life or in your thought patterns or in certain behaviors or addictions or in a season of life, as hard as that is, we cannot come to the place where we just say, well, I guess that's the way it's going to be. And here's why. Because the other people in our life need us to get unstuck and unhindered. Eventually being stuck and and hindered, if it hasn't already, will do damage to you, your life, and your relationships. You know, uh, we're in a day and age where we're seeing and finding out about a lot of leaders, leaders in the church and leaders in business and leaders in politics and leaders in corporations or leaders of families or whatever, institutions, and their lives are collapsing. And we, it, it, but it just doesn't do any good to look at them and go, well, that's so stupid. How could she make a decision like that? Or what's wrong with that guy? He must, he's just a jerk or he's just a loser. He's just, he's just got issues. Because if you wound the clock back before the affair, before the scandal, before the financial indiscretion, before the total public collapse, there were probably areas in their life not too dissimilar than ours where they were feeling stuck and they were feeling hindered. And it's somewhere along the line, they just said, well, I guess that's just the way life is. We cannot say that would never happen to us. We actually have to deal with the things that are causing us to feel stuck. We have to deal with the fact that we feel hindered or opposed because we need to grow. We need to be able to move forward for ourselves and for the people we love. But even more so, if you're a follower of Jesus, you were made to experience freedom in Christ. You were not made to just live stuck, live hindered in life. You were actually created to experience breakthrough on an ongoing basis, all the time, through the things that often we feel stuck. If you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean you never feel stuck. It never means you feel hindered, but you are meant to experience breakthrough as you experience those things. And for the next seven weeks, we're actually going to be camping out in this idea of what does it mean to actually get breakthrough? These first two weeks, we're going to be talking about, okay, how, how does this whole thing happen? How is it that we feel stuck and hindered? What are the things causing us to be stuck? What are the things hindering us? And then each of the next five weeks after that, we're going to be looking at a different aspect of what it means to experience breakthrough in our lives. And if I could just say this and be honest, it's not going to be fun. Okay, so let's just say that together. On the count of three, it's not going to be fun. One, two, three, it's not going to be fun. But it is going to be good. We say that on the count of three. Count of three, one, two, three, it's going to be good. It's not going to be fun, but it is going to be good. Now, right off the bat, as we jump in today, I know I'm going to deal with some issues. There's going to be uh, 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 problems created for all of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you may identify with the symptoms that I described of feeling stuck and feeling hindered. You're not going to agree with my diagnosis, or you might disagree with it, which I understand. And if you have a better diagnosis, if you have a better reason to explain it, I am all ears. But I want you to just give me the floor for today and maybe for the next few weeks to actually say, hey, maybe this is possibly true. I have these feelings, these symptoms of feeling stuck, feeling hindered. Maybe this is actually an explanation for why. 
But even if you are a follower of Jesus, you might listen to what I'm going to even say today and go, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. But my, uh, my, my hope and my prayer for you is knowing that and believing that all of us, myself included, need breakthrough. We desperately need it. And I'm praying that we're actually going to experience that together as a church. I'm praying that we're actually going to have a greater understanding of what are the things that are causing us to feel stuck, causing us to feel like something is against us, and that we're actually going to experience breakthrough or learn how to help others experience that. And so I just want to invite you to say, maybe there probably actually this applies to you more than you think, because you can probably relate to these experiences of feeling stuck or feeling hindered. And so I want you to listen as we jump in today. So let's actually start with a very problematic text, <laughs> our, our, our complicated text that we're going to look at today that actually starts to turn the stones over and say, why is it, what is it about our lives that we often feel stuck and hindered? So let's have a listen together. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This passage is a letter, uh, part of a letter written to a group of Jesus followers. And the Apostle Paul, who's the author of this letter, is describing to this group of people um, what their lives were like or what were the influences in their lives. And he, he, he kind of uh, teases out three dynamics. He doesn't use the words um, hindered or stuck. He actually says you were dead, but which is worse, I think, than being hindered or stuck. But basically saying these were dynamics leading to a place in your life where you could not move forward, where you could not become or do or be the person you were supposed to be. And he says three things that I want to unpack here that are the dynamics that actually, because later on he says this is all of us are in this boat. This is actually describing our lives. The first one he says, he talks about the flesh, which is actually from the Greek word sarks, um, which is really our fallen nature, our nature as people. Not all of our nature in a sense that human beings are all beautiful and yet they are broken as well. And the broken side of human nature is what the Apostle Paul is describing here. That all of us, each of us has stuff within us that is simply not good. We are not all good, all beautiful, all created perfect and forever to be that way. There is stuff within our nature that is not right in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in what we believe and how we interact with other people, how we interact with ourselves. Unless we want to say, oh, you know, that's such a sort of a, you know, a, a bad way of looking at it or whatever is thinking about ourselves. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Russian novelist who was sort of the anti-communist um, Russia activist and wrote during the period of time and spent some time uh, as a political prisoner, said this, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. 
I mean, this is someone who lived in sort of communist Russia who very could have easily said, oh, those people, that system, that political ideology, that government, that country, they're evil. And he says, no, actually that line runs through every human heart. It's actually a description of what Paul is talking about is the flesh. There is, as someone once said, the gravitational pull that every single one of us has to look after me and mine. Our gravitational pull is me first. Even if it's not me alone, it's still me first. And I'll try to be loving and I'll try to be nice and I'll try to be generous. But at the end of the day, it's about me. There is a gravitational pull towards pride, towards greed, towards lust, towards selfishness, towards being consumed with ourselves and doing what we can for ourselves. He, he says that we are, our nature, the nature has cravings or desires. And if you think about it this way, even if you've never heard this idea before, you have good desires and then you have other desires that work against those good desires. You want to be, if you're a parent, you want to be a good parent. And yet at the same time, you desire to tear a strip off one of your kids when they do something wrong. You know, you shouldn't do it. You know, it's not good for them. You know, you won't feel good uh, later, but at the moment you want to do it. You want to just let them have it. And even if you don't have kids, you want to explode with someone. There's a desire in you to let someone have it. Even though you know it's not good, there's a part of you that wants to do right. There's another part of you that doesn't. Your own desires work against you. I remember watching an interview with um, uh, someone who in York region who was involved in trafficking girls. As you know, as uh, our Vaughn site has been involved in fighting human trafficking in this particular city. And I remember watching an interview and one of the things the guy said just struck me so sad, so troubling, but he said this, he said, you know, it's wrong, like what they were doing trafficking, but the money's too good. <laughs> there's, there's something in him that knows I shouldn't do that, but there's other desires that said, yeah, but I want these things instead. And I know that's an extreme example, but actually Paul says, all of us have this dynamic operating within ourselves. It's called the flesh, the, 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 sin, the fallen nature. That's one dynamic. But the second one, he says the world, or he says the ways of the world. <laughs> and that is to say this, we live in a world of a whole bunch of people who also have a fallen nature in them. And not just the individuals in our lives, but the families we were brought up in, the institutions that govern our lives, the systems we are a part of, um, churches, organizations, everywhere. We live in a world, Paul says, that is affected by this in the same way, not just because individuals are also fallen, also have flesh, the people we interact with in the world, but the groups of people, the families, the organizations, the systems, we're all a part of those. And those things also do damage to our lives, right? It's not just we, our own desires that are causing us to be um, stuck and hindered. We're not just working against ourselves. It feels like the world is at times, that there are decisions that other people have made that have messed our lives up, right? Some of us would have said, yeah, the decisions my parents, my uncles, my aunts, my siblings, my grandparents made messed me up or messed my family up, either directly or indirectly. You know, there's times you feel stuck in your life because of the family you grew up in or because of the system that you feel like you've been a part of, whether it was a systemic racism, whether it was systemic sexism, whether it was just kind of a thing that didn't seem to uh, afford you the opportunities that it was affording to other people, or perhaps the active actions of friends as you were bullied when you were younger, or uh, the, the, the companies that you've been a part of. All of these things, active or passive, direct or indirect, whether they're intentional or not, we live in a broken world that has done damage to our lives, that is also contributing to our sense of feeling stuck, like I can't move forward, or a sense of feeling hindered, like there's opposition to the person I'm meant to be and trying to be and trying to grow. The flesh, 
just ourselves, the world, all around us, the people and the systems. And then he says the devil, or actually he says the, the, the ruler of the power of the air, um, which is the, the kingdom of the air, which is, I know there's this weird way of like, what, what is that? And when we say the word devil, the idea of the exorcist comes to mind or Dante's Inferno or whatever. But this is actually just describing the kingdom of the air. Think about this is the unseen world. And according to the scriptures, the devil is not this guy in a red suit with a pitchfork that pokes people and wants to torture them in hell. But he is a power and, there is, and he is the leading, in a sense, an unseen power that is working against God and all things good, us included. His goal for everyone is destruction. And we're gonna actually talk next week about how that actually works. It's not through pitchforks and things like that. Um, and not primarily about demon possession. It's actually a lot less sexy than that and yet way more deadly. We're gonna talk about that. But these are the three dynamics that are actually in play. And Paul goes on to say, we at one point, all of us, we're actually under the influence, under the power of these things that ultimately we were dead in a sense, there was nothing we could do about it. And he's describing these three dynamics. These are the reasons we feel stuck and hindered in our lives. Ourselves, the flesh, the world that we live in around us and the devil himself who is working in that way. Now, there's, as I said to you, there's a few objections you're gonna have for me right across the top. First of all, we live in a culture very, very influenced by the humanist perspective, or maybe you have that perspective. The humanist perspective says, yeah, human beings are inherently good. We're good people and our desires are good. And the only thing bad about our desires is if we try to suppress them. It's not good to suppress your desire. What you desire generally is good. Just don't hurt anybody. That's the view the humanist perspective has on it. There's no such thing as sinful nature. There's not, no, just try to be a good person. And you know, whatever you want is good for you. Just don't hurt anybody along the way. And don't let anybody tell you to suppress your desires. If you suppress your desires, you are, you, if, if you deny yourself, you're suppressing your desires. If someone else does it to you, they're oppressing your desires. And none of that's good. Suppress or oppression, just let it out. We live in a culture that says that way. And secondly, that the world is full of opportunity and beauty and it's yours for the taking and what you make it, that the humanist view. And there's no such thing as a devil. And that is the humanist perspective. And so right away, all of us, this is the air we breathe. There we have objections to each of, or maybe all of those things. Now, if that's you, I would say to you, look, I'd love that to be true too. I'd love to, it to be true that there's nothing wrong in me and all my desires are good, that the world's just full of beauty and opportunity. And there's no such thing as a devil. I would love to believe that. The only problem is it leaves the explanation of myself and the world without actually a good answer. <laughs> How do I explain the world the way it is? How do I explain this world the way it is? I don't know. <laughs> As I said, if you have a better diagnosis, you let me know. But this is what we're working with today. But even if you are a follower of Jesus, you're like, yeah, I'm familiar with those things. Based on our church tradition or religious tradition, what you grew up in, some of us um, would be more inclined to blame the devil than anything else. Oh, that's what that is. Oh, there's evil attacking me, whatever. That the primary understanding for why we feel stuck or why we feel hindered, depending on our traditions, for some of us to say, well, it's the devil and he's against me or there's evil against me. Others of us are quick to blame the world. Right? There's some uh, faith traditions that very much are about, oh, us and them, and we got to be in our faith tradition or in our faith family or in our church, whatever, because it's an evil world out there and stay away from the world because it's going to infect you and it's going to, the problem is really with the world or with other people. And some of us grew up in faith traditions where it's like, oh, it's my fault. It's my fault. I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner. Uh, you know, I'm the problem and everything's wrong with me. Um, and so, some of us, because of the tradition we grew up in, either think that way or we think the opposite from our tradition, right? If some of us grew up in, 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 um, 
in Christian traditions where it was all about the devil or whatever, maybe, maybe we've gone to this point where we don't actually think about it at all. We don't even consider that there might be opposition coming from an unseen world because our whole world growing up was saturated. It was all about that. We don't think about it at all. So depending on how you were raised or we, we can be, you know, across the spectrum in this. So I want to give you a moment just to think about or discuss with the people around you. Um, wh- who are you most likely to blame <laughs> for, for, for feeling stuck or hindered? Are you someone who kind of thinks mostly about, oh, it's spiritual attack, it's the devil? You know, or are you someone who's more likely to blame the world and let's try to stay away from it? And if only those people hadn't done those things or my family hadn't done those things or if I was raised differently or whatever, that's the main problem. Or are you most likely to beat up on yourself? I'm the problem. Uh, you know, I'm just an idiot. I, sh- I should do better, be better, get better, shouldn't have done that. We all kind of probably lean one way or the other. Just take a moment, think about it, or you can um, talk about it with the people um, that are near you. And maybe if you're sitting near your family or with your family and you said, yeah, I'm the one who blames my family, maybe that's created other issues, but you can sort that out after um, church. The passage actually says all three are in play. All three are in play. Whatever our tradition is, whatever we may lean and say, oh, I don't think so much about one and so much the other. The apostle Paul says, actually, all three are in play and all of us are under their influence. All of them are contributing to these experiences of feeling stuck and feeling hindered. And they actually all work together to stop us from getting breakthrough. And next week, we're actually going to talk about how they all connect. (laughs) And you'll start to see, well, yeah, it's all three in play. And they're all working against me having breakthrough in a particular area, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my friendships, in my body, with my relationship with food, with my relationship with substances, or whatever. They're all working there. And if I don't understand it, I actually don't know how to get breakthrough. So we're going to talk more about that next week. But here's the thing. You could say to me right now, VJ, I'm a Christian though. I have Jesus. So, so that I don't have to worry about that anymore. In fact, if you know your scriptures or you just kept reading past the part that I read, Paul is actually saying to them, hey, you used to be like that. You used to be under the power of the flesh and the world and the devil. But now that, and that was when you were dead. But now you've been made alive in Christ. Right? So you could quote me that and say, see, that's, he's just describing what it used to be like. We don't have to live that way any longer. Well, I would ask you then, then why do you still feel stuck? Why do you still feel hindered? Why do I still feel stuck? I know I'm a Jesus follower. I know I am. I know Christ loves me. I know he saved me. I know he's forgiven me. I know he's given me a new life. I know he's preparing a new world for me to live in in the afterlife with a new body and a new life. I know all of that. And yet, why do I still have the experiences like you do of feeling stuck and feeling hindered? Well, here's my best stab at this. Because your life was occupied territory before you made Jesus the king. Right? When you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to him becoming the king of your life, the king of your world, the kingdom in here. But before he came along, your life already belonged to someone else. It was already under the rule, if I could say that, of the flesh and the world and the devil. That's why Paul actually calls the devil the ruler of the power of the air. In other words, the, or at other places in scripture says the ruler of this world. 
You were born into this world, into your flesh, your fallen nature, into the influences, the good and the bad and the ugly influences of the world that you live in and under the influence of the ruler of the power of the air. That's what you used to be. We were born into that. So Jesus comes along and you say, Jesus, I want you to be the king of my life. And he becomes king of your life. But the rest of the kingdom isn't fully in line with his rule yet. It's not like Jesus comes into our lives, like sends the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes into our lives like possession where suddenly he starts commandeering all my thoughts. So I only think beautiful thoughts and I never think lustful thoughts and I never think vengeful thoughts and I never think gossipy thoughts and I never think angry thoughts or selfish thoughts because I can't even think a bad thing anymore because the Holy Spirit has just taken over my mind. I don't know if that's been your experience, not mine. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in and start commanding all my actions and say, oh, I only hug people and I never punch them. That doesn't happen. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in and suddenly change all of my desires where nothing I used to desire, it's all changed. It is changing. It is a progression. But here's the thing. The day you said yes to Jesus as king is the day the battle began, (laughs) right? It's the day the battle began, right? Because you said, Jesus, come in, be the king of my heart. But you know what? There were already three kings on one throne, right? Your flesh and the world and the devil, and they're not going down without a fight. They don't want to be kicked out. And so there's a battle now going on in your life. It's not a battle with other people. When Christians talk about spiritual battle or we talk about the scriptures talk about spiritual battle, it's not about a fight with other people. (laughs) It is a fight for the kingdom of your heart where Jesus wants to bring his life, his ways into your desire. So he begins to change the things that you desire and the things that you think and the way that you act. He begins to change the way that you interact with other people. He begins to change the way you see and understand the unseen world. All of that has to happen, but none of it happens overnight. And just because Jesus is king, doesn't mean the whole kingdom is under his rule and his care. It's not. The fight has begun. So if I can say something encouraging to you, if you feel stuck, if you feel hindered and you're aware of it, that's because there's a war going on inside of you. Your sense of the battle is actually realized. Because you know what? Paul says you were dead before. When you're dead, you don't feel anything. Now that you've been made alive in Christ, you suddenly realize, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to live with these old patterns. I don't want to treat my husband or my wife the way that I used to do that. I don't want to interact with my parents the way I used to anymore. I don't want to be stuck in these habits or these ways of thinking or these addictions anymore. I want to change. That's a sign that Jesus the King has started to come into your heart and say, ooh, we got to change some things here. The King is here but the kingdom's not totally under his rule yet. It's going to take time. And therefore you are meant to experience breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, right? Until the whole kingdom belongs to Jesus. Until your whole heart, your whole mind, all of your desires, all of the ways you interact with other people, all the ways you interact with the spiritual world is under the rule and authority of Jesus. Which is to say, there is so much more freedom for you to experience than what you've known yet. There's so much more freedom for me to experience than what I've had yet. It's never done. Breakthrough continues. And we're meant to experience more and more freedom. We're not meant to just settle and go, well, I guess I'm just stuck in this particular. Well, I guess these things about my life can be good, but these ones will always be under the rule of the flesh, the world. No, we're meant to actually experience the freedom that Jesus brings over and over and over again. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Three things. 
just come to these services, like be back here every, for this series. Maybe you're new to our church or maybe you're new to faith, you're exploring faith or whatever, or maybe you've just been out of practice because <clears throat> we've been off or something. Get there, whether it's online or in person, be at these services, begin to learn. Secondly, do the daily reading. If you go on our site or through our app, you'll find a daily reading um, every day, <clears throat> five days a week. And these daily readings for this whole series, all seven weeks, are going to be um, very practical. They're going to include exercises, things that not only reading scripture, but to help you begin to get unstuck and get unhindered, to help you begin to understand the places where you might be stuck and might be hindered and why, and help you experience the freedom that Jesus has for you. This is what these are for. Um, <clears throat> we, we look at the stats in our daily reading. There's way more of you that could be doing this than are doing it. And maybe you got other plans or whatever. I'd ask you to pause them for a little while and actually do this so that as a community, because listen, this isn't just about individual breakthrough. This is actually learning how to help each other get breakthrough, become unstuck and unhindered. So I want you to show up to church, do the daily reading, and then a book that we would recommend if you want to, um, either to read it or an audiobook. I'm working through an audiobook. It's called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And it's really actually helping you understand these dynamics of the flesh, the devil, and the world, and how to get freedom in your life. Now, here's my challenge to you. Those things collectively, let's assume you're regularly at church in some shape or form an hour on Sunday. So let's just say the daily readings in that book. That audio book's about seven and a half hours to listen to. Over seven weeks, that's an hour a week. The daily reading's about 25, 30 minutes a day, five days a week. That's about three and a half hours a week, which is uh, the length of like a basketball game, a hockey game, or a football game, and a Netflix show. Just one of those games and a show. And let me particularly challenge you guys, because I don't know why this is, but when we've talked about this stuff and I've seen this, I tend to see a lot more women who are game to go into these places. And a lot of guys just don't. And I just want to challenge you with this. You are giving so many hours of your time to all kinds of things that will never get you breakthrough. They just won't. They may not be bad, but they're not going to help you get unstuck and unhindered. So I want to challenge you. Take three and a half of those hours a week, a little over half an hour a day, and give them to Jesus instead. And say, Jesus, help me. Help me get the freedom that I was meant to have in you. Help me get unstuck. Help me get unhindered. Friends, you and I, all of us together, men and women, young and old, we have no idea what kind of freedom could be waiting for us on the other side of a decision like this. And so let's do it together.